0: Welcome to the Not A Mommy Yet podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Fay. I started the Not A Mommy Yet blog and this podcast because I've always known I want to be a parent one day, and you might be listening because you feel the same. You may have also heard people with kids say things like, I wish I had known this before I had kids, or I wish I had done that. Hearing those comments made me think about the parts of my life I want to spend more time focusing on before I have kids in ways that will benefit me as a parent. So I started a list of people who can teach me about health, money, relationships, psychology, and more, and started interviewing them. And this podcast was born. Whether you plan to have kids or not, I think you'll find something interesting in this podcast for you. I hope you enjoy, subscribe, and maybe even share it with a friend. Thank you so much for listening. Today on the Not a Mommy Yet podcast, I'm speaking with Leah Dario, the founder and executive director of Oceanic Global. Oceanic, by definition, means of, living in, or produced by the ocean. Oceanic Global honors humanity's essential relationship to our ocean by empowering behavior that protects our ocean's health and in turn our own. They work to raise awareness for the devastating effects of human consumption on our aquatic ecosystems and work with leading scientists, conservationists, artists, and industry experts to drive positive change. They believe that our choices matter and that with each choice we make, we have the power to create change because every being on this planet is oceanic and we are all connected to our ocean and our ocean connects us all. Thank you so much for being here today, Leah. You're yeah, of course. Um, so you know the ocean—it's kind of a big. Um, it's a big task to take on, and it's awesome what you guys are doing. I, I'm excited to get into everything, and you know, as you see on your site, it's both the source and sustainer of all life on Earth, and it covers over seventy percent of our planet, producing over seventy percent of its oxygen. So, you know, for every other breath we take, we can thank our ocean. And so no matter where we're from or where we live, we're all tied to it. So what inspired you to start Oceanic Global and how did it all kind of come together?
1: And I'm sorry for the background noise.
0: I'm not sitting by the ocean, but
1: actually in New York City. That's okay. New York City noises. Um, So, yeah. I mean, the ocean is our life source. I think many people don't realize that, you know, the ocean plays such a critical role um, and produces more than every other breath you take, as you mentioned. Mm -hmm. I actually decided to start Oceanic in 2015. Um, At the time, I read an article that stated we had 10 years before our human impact on the oceans was completely irreversible. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I was 25 years old, um, working in event production in New York, and I was like, wow, how are we not all doing something about this? For me, up to until that point, the ocean had really been this beautiful, peaceful spot that I would go to and very much like a sanctuary. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was really where I started to dig into the different issues related to ocean conservation. Um, and I actually now know that sadly we'll never get to... You know, we've passed that 10% threshold and we're really looking at fighting for that 70, 80%. -hmm. Um, So that's really where Oceanic came about. And when I started to look at a lot of the different nonprofits in the space, I really felt that a lot of them weren't really looking at empowering millennials um, to become part of that conversation. They were speaking really to, um, they were very much preaching to the choir. And I really truly believe that unless we really are able to broaden the conversation, working with individuals, businesses, and at a policy level, we're not going to be able to move the needle quickly enough. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's why we take such a holistic view at Oceanic Global um, and we're very much solution oriented for those reasons.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, before we kind of go into your priorities, what I really have loved to read about and learn about Oceanic Global is how you guys connect with your members. So, So... you kind of meet people where they're already spending their time, whether it be like in art or music, fashion, technology, and um, you incorporate that educational component by, you know, helping these people feel empowered to make these changes and be part of the conversation. So how has that developed and how have you seen that really make an impact in ways that other um, companies, like you said, where they're preaching to the choir aren't really – I guess say growing or expanding into those populations of people who are a little bit more intimidated by all of this.
1: Yeah. So I feel, so when we started Oceanic, even though it wasn't, it was only four years ago, I still felt like four years ago, a lot of the education part needed to take place around ocean conservation. Mm -hmm. It's been amazing to see over the last two years, for example, that, you know, plastic pollution makes it on the headlines regularly. Now Mm -hmm. Um, the people are aware of like the impact of a plastic straw um, on marine life. I think when we originally started a huge amount of our work was how do we tap into these existing passions, like you mentioned, like our music emerging technologies, and really looking at weaving in educational content. So at the beginning it was, you know, how do we partner up with maybe large DJs that have never really advocated for the environment? How do we speak to their audiences and give them really simple, um, empowering tips? So, mm-hmm. you know, for example, how can useful sustainable seafood or you know eating more of a uh, plant-based diet very much simple Um, and then it really grew from that so for example on the sustainable fashion side we decided to do a partnership with Parsons School of Design and looking at engaging some of their students um, around upcycling and using trash actually as fashion and looking at conceptualizing these things in different ways Mm. Um, and so I would say that with to kind of give a broader idea of Oceanic, we really have two main pillars. Um, and our first pillar is our grassroots initiatives. So that's anything that we do to be engaging millennials. Um, and that's very much where, you know, tapping into these universal paths fall. Um And then the second one is actually providing industry solutions. So while we recognize it's super important to be working with individuals and grassroots communities, um, it's also really important to be working at scale with corporations to be shifting their um, behaviors mm-hmm. towards responsible consumption. So, our call to action is actually around responsible consumption, so looking at behavioral change within those two pillars.
0: Yeah, so when it comes to behavioral changes, um, you know, I, I, just to look, when I'm looking at your priorities, which are fish, plastic initiatives, coral, and protecting our oceans. Changing behavior, I think, is always the hardest thing for people because they have to really want to do it. And it also has to be somewhat easy to do. Um, Or, you know, if it's like a long term commitment, it's like, you know, they have to still be really passionate about this. So when it comes to let's start with fish, you know, that's one of the priorities that you guys have. Um, I read an article that, you know, people are kind of promoting seafood as this better option to meat because it's more sustainable in terms of climate change. Right. Because it's it's not wholly carbon neutral, but it's obviously very better than I mean, (laughs) much better than cow, sheep and poultry farming. So how do you guys kind of educate consumers where, yeah, it might be a better option, but let's also look within the fishing industry and how can we make better choices there as well?
1: A hundred percent. So I think on the seafood side, um, it's really promoting eating sustainable seafood. Mm-hmm. So to give you an idea, you know, ninety-three percent of fish stocks worldwide are fully depleted, um, which means that we need to be a lot smarter about the types of fish that we are eating. Mm-hmm. We should not be eating tuna or cod for example that are extremely high up on the extinction list Um, and it's something that you know the generation below us may not actually have the luxury of ever seeing if we can continue um, eating it Mm -hmm. at its current rate so it's being number one actually there's an amazing resource called the Monterey Bay Aquarium Mm -hmm. and they actually have an app that's completely free um, and you can log on there and it will tell you what types of seafood you should be eating and what you should avoid. One of the things, you know, one of the ones that I love to promote is actually eating oysters. Mm -hmm. Um, So oysters actually, they filter through um, a lot of the toxins in in the ocean. So from an uh, environmental perspective, you know, if everyone started eating a lot more oysters, that would be great. Ooni is another one. Um, So again, it's just being really aware of what you're eating um, Mm -hmm. and, you know, kind of steering your choices towards that. Some of the easiest things to think about
0: when
1: looking at sustainable
0: seafood, I'd say the first one is eating locally, mm-hmm. um, and the second one is eating smaller fish. Smaller fish. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's good to know because, you know, a lot of people love sushi, um, or really at any restaurant, you can order a fish plate, you know, and a lot of people are becoming pescatarians um, to avoid the meat industry, but... I think it's so important. Yeah. To also realize that fish are becoming extinct and that's kind of a crazy thing. Cause it, yeah, people, I think we think about the ocean, it's so big, like how could that be possible? But of course there's more, so many people on this planet eating all these fish. So it makes sense. Um, and then when it comes to your plastic initiatives, that's something that you said, you know, people are becoming more aware of, you know, the impact of plastic straws on marine life and what are some of those realistic changes that we can make? Because, you know, I have a bamboo toothbrush and I've heard about this company, Dame, you know, that has the reusable tampon applicators and all these little changes that we can make, um, to get rid of single use plastic. But how do you guys incorporate that into your messaging and education? Yeah. So, um,
1: really just, you know, even with all the attention going on around plastics Mm -hmm. every single minute right now, um, one garbage truck of plastic is being dumped in the ocean so oh you know we've been on the call for 11 minutes that's 11 garbage trucks um, of plastic waste dumped into our ocean just to give listeners that idea um that's and even insane. though with all the momentum going on we still produce more plastic waste in 2018 and 19 than ever before um so it's great to see those people are becoming a lot more aware of this but we need to be scaling out those actions a lot more you know you mentioned things like a bamboo toothbrush but it can go as far as you know when you're going and doing your grocery shopping um really just being smart about how you're using single-use plastics and a lot of the work that we do is around single use so we actually think plastic has a really important um part in society, um, but we just, you know, 40% of plastic today is used as single use and we're totally mismanaging a material made to last forever. Mm-hmm. Um, so on the two parts, on the grassroots part, it's empowering people to change their habits a little bit like what you mentioned, um, you know, whether it's, you know, bringing your own coffee cup, uh, only use the bag, mm-hmm. um, taking it a step further and doing like plastic food groceries, et cetera. And then actually one of our main programs as part of Oceanic is a program called the Oceanic Standard. And mm-hmm. this is actually where we work with businesses um, to actually eliminate single-use plastics from their operations. So a really exciting project there is we work with the hospitality industry, so mm-hmm. working with hotels and restaurants to eliminate single-use plastics. Um, anything from you know, the water bottles in their room to their shampoo, conditioner bottles, etc and that's been amazing to see just the momentum um, around that and just the scale that you can actually reduce that and then it's also trickled out so you know we work with office spaces um, so we've approved, we have a verification system so we've approved places like Citibank and Salesforce um, and then actually right now we've got a really exciting project where we're working with sports stadiums across the US oh, um, wow.
0: to help
1: yeah, reduce um, single use plastic to scale
0: yeah that's um, is awesome because stadiums I actually went to a concert in Las Vegas and I was so furious because they don't let you bring in obviously any liquids so then if I wanted to buy a water it was a plastic water bottle and then I go down to go sit in my seat and they won't let me take the plastic water bottle I have to pour it into a plastic cup Exactly. I guys was just was like, like mind blown. I'm like, I literally just bought this here. It was sealed. I don't understand why I have yeah. to do this. So yes, I think that's awesome that you guys have that. And it's so great to hear that you have seen the momentum from hotels and stadiums, because those are obviously huge. And on on a different note, I, I didn't really include this um, in my notes to you. But have you guys ever worked with um, cruise ships?
1: Actually, we've worked, we've approved one cruise ship, uh, with our verification standard and that's, that's actually called the Peace Boat. Um, but that's the only one so far.
0: Okay, yeah, because I've heard that they just dump their waste into the ocean. Like- yeah, there's a lot of, yeah, I mean, it's, um,
1: when you're out in the open ocean, it's so unregulated, uh-huh. so dumping, um actually a huge amount of illegal fishing so micro fishing takes place that way which is you know there's a lot of um unmonitored activities mm-hmm. um, so that's and again that's something that we can all hold these companies that we're representing accountable for and right. the reason why we've had so much success with our programs with the hospitality you know in the nightlife and festival space um with the stadium program, is because when we're working with these businesses, they're saying, yes, actually, we're having pressure um, from our customers here. So, but again, this is the same thing, I think, with something like cruise ships, with being able to hold them accountable, creating a lot of noise, and also showcasing that things need to change.
0: Yeah, and that's really great to hear, too, um, that... And just a good reminder to anyone listening that holding companies accountable does make a difference, even if you think you're one person. And I have been very appreciative of social media for making it a little bit more accessible to connect with these brands. Um, Like I've seen a lot of those meal delivery places on Instagram like I get targeted for ads for them and a lot of the comments are but these are all in single use plastic containers or I mean even if you could keep them and reuse them they're all in plastic and it's just so wasteful so um, I think it is great to hear that people putting pressure makes a difference. I
1: mean, it's really interesting. A lot of people don't realize, I think, that when you complain to a company, to a larger corporation, they legally have to, they, it's like within their systems to log every single complaint. So if you're emailing an airline about their plastic use, that is being logged. Or if you're emailing a, you know, a larger hotel chain, same thing. Um, so and then you know when these initiatives do come up and when they're introduced to it Mm -hmm. they can actually go back and go wow this is a major concern for my customers I need to be shifting this over if we're not going and doing these complaints um, you know then it's very easy for them to actually say well you know it doesn't really matter Um, our customers really don't care
0: yeah no definitely (laughs) um so that's really that's great to hear and I'm definitely I'm thinking maybe I'll put together a list of companies we can all start reaching out to a little bit more um and then yeah um moving on to the third priority which is coral and that to me is a very easy way to visually see the impact we are having on the ocean like of course the trash is another way but um when i watched chasing coral the documentary that was so eye-opening and terrifying because of the amount of coral that was just dying off and even this summer I was in Croatia and I could tell um when the the coral that is dead versus coral that's very alive and well which is very colorful there's a lot of animal life versus just like totally barren areas of the ocean so how are you guys focusing on coral through your initiatives
1: so again, it's very much around responsible consumption. So mm-hmm. on the industry side, it's promoting, for example, when you're working in coastal regions with hotels, etc., like proper waste infrastructure and making sure that there's a you know a water filtration system and that it's not just being dumped on the coral reef.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: on the mm-hmm. consumer side, it's really educating consumers and making them realise that um, it's as simple as choosing a reef-safe sunscreen when you're going to the beach. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people don't realise that. Sunscreen is actually a huge contributor to coral reef bleaching. Right, um, and then simple things, for example, like you know, if you do have the luxury to go snorkeling, making sure that you're not actually touching the corals, you're not disturbing the natural habitat—all of those things are creating stress um, on those ecosystems. So, very much looking at how to be handling um, those types of situations.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I was going to ask you about sunscreen. Um, do you do you have one that you recommend, or um, products in general. Do you guys have like a collection of brands that you guys trust beyond, of course, the Oceanic Standard? Do you guys have like a list uh, somewhere that people could find?
1: Yeah. So one of my favorite companies is actually, um, Stream to Sea. So they do um biodegradable sunscreen. Um, and then there's like one major component, uh, which is I'm gonna butcher the name right now. Oxybenzone um that we should be avoiding and all of their sunscreens um don't have it another one is called rare um which helps them so if anyone's interested just uh, feel free to reach out to us at and i'm happy to send over an additional list of other places too
0: okay cool yeah so it was stream to see and rare yeah cool amazing so um I when I was looking at your site, I saw that you guys have these hubs that are led by volunteers. And you said, you know, one of your pillars that you focus on is these grassroots activations. And so how did you start to build this network? I, I love that it's led by volunteers because it really is community driven. Um, and yeah, I was just wondering, you know, how you've built that up and so many places around the world. I mean, the list is pretty incredible.
1: Yeah, so I think we realized pretty quickly that, um, you know, the traditional way of running a nonprofit is a little bit outdated, mm-hmm. and people don't just want to give money. They really want to feel like they're a part of the organization.
0: Right.
1: So as part of our grassroots initiative, we decided to launch our hub program actually earlier this year, and the idea is that a small steering committee of 10 people can come together in a city and start a hub under Oceanic Global. Through that, we provide them with the resources they need. Um, you know, our scientific advisory board, uh, programs like the Oceanic Standards, um, experts in our policy work, et cetera. Um, but we also give them a level of flexibility to be choosing, you know, under the work of ocean conservation, um, choosing to address local issues. So right now we have hubs in New York, the Hamptons, uh, L.A., New, um, sorry, I mentioned New York, uh, London, and Barcelona, and the idea is every year we'll be growing another five clubs and that's been amazing for me because, um, you know, again, it's really looking at empowering that action, growing the community extremely organically, mm-hmm. um, and then also seeing, you know, what's important within different areas. So, like in the Hamptons, there's been a lot of um, youth engagement work taking place throughout the year. Mm-hmm. It's very much, you know, very seasonal. Um, And then in the summers, um, we're doing a lot more, you know, actual activations where we may be bringing in corporate partners, et cetera. In in, uh, LA, for example, we've been doing a lot more work um, with water quality because that's just something that they're very much more concerned with. So being able to kind of take that global perspective, but also highlighting what is local issues um, that we're able to kind of quantify that impact on is super important too.
0: Yeah, I, I love that. And I agree that the traditional way nonprofits have worked is pretty outdated. Um, and what you're doing, I mean, I've, I work with UNICEF and they also have this very local mindset where they have people on the ground running the, for like who are from there, running their initiatives and making sure that they are aligning with the people of that country or city. And um, I think that's definitely the best way to work because then people really care, right? Because it is affecting their daily life.
1: Yeah, you just said it's definitely an inspiration um, in pushing us to kind of really grow the hub model. They've done a great job with our next generation
0: mm-hmm. um, model there too. So um, something else that was so cool that caught my eye was your partnership with um, EarthCheck. So can you explain that a little bit for people who don't know what EarthCheck is and how you guys work together?
1: Yeah. So, as part of um, the Oceanic Standard Program, which is a program working with different industries to implement um, sustainable operating practices, mm-hmm. we realised that we weren't actually going to be able to, you know, grow this globally as quickly as we wanted within, without bringing on board strategic partners. So, Earthcheck is one of the largest groups um, that has actually based actually out in Australia but really focuses on sustainable tourism and research so they' are also a research center and um, we partnered up with them around eight months ago with the idea of you know using their expertise using their framework and us really focusing on the procurement side so that they do a they take a much more kind of holistic approach to sustain, sustainability and we're very much focused on um, changing specific practices within a hotel. Uh, Earth Check work a lot with hotels mm-hmm. so that's more of link there um, and so it's been an amazing partnership kind of where you know we're either able to go into existing Earthcheck approved hotels like Sandals Resorts in the Caribbean where we'll actually come in and we'll help them eliminate all single use plastics so we're adding another layer to them um, and then vice versa sometimes you know they'll introduce us um, and we'll introduce them so, and right now we have around 30 different implementation partners as charged being one
0: of them. That's amazing. Yeah. The work you're doing everywhere, it's just, it's so needed and it's so cool the way you're approaching it all. It's very unique. Um, and I'm just wondering, you know, how has um, your work with Oceanic Global changed your life personally? Um. How do you every day think differently? And also, how do you get your friends involved? Because, like, when I think about, let's say, going out to eat with friends and then they order tuna, for example, do you take that opportunity right then and there to talk through it? Or do you wait? Like, how, how have you incorporated all of this um, work into your personal life? Yeah. So when I
1: started it, um, I actually found myself preaching a lot, and then, and then I hated that, because I was like, that just doesn't even follow through with my values. Um, so I actually took a very different philosophy there, and I started saying, you know, when I would go swimming, I'd be like, oh, by the way, have you seen uni on the menu? It's super sustainable. Maybe try this instead of the tuna, or, and, um, you know, and I started kind of just shifting how I would introduce a lot of these different resources. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that I you know probably the most notable thing uh for me has been when i the day i started oceanic actually and had the idea of it i gave up all seafood overnight um and until that point sushi had been my favorite <laughs> type of food so that uh-huh. was one of the hardest things that i've done uh-huh. and then uh this year actually i became pretty vegetarian um it's not something that i push on other people i you know i believe that everyone needs to make their own choices and you know you know it's not one size fits all. Um, right. But, you know, when you're a part of this and you're reading about this every single day, it's hard not to ignore, it's really hard not to ignore all that information and not really live, you know, more lifestyle. Um, the smaller things that I do is things like starting to offset my flight. Um, you know, friends that fund friend companies or a part of corporations, these are things that I also push to them. I think, you know, it's super easy um, you know, would you be interesting, interested in speaking to your HR person and seeing if the company as a whole would be interested in doing that? Um, you know, single-use plastics is a really big one too just because it's, I would say, over 40% of the work that we're doing now. So looking at empowering change around that. Um, and then occasionally we do support different policies, and that's a really great way for me to engage my friends. So I'll go to them and I'll say, okay, go order New York City, New York's, um, you know, we're, we're working on the straw bill in New York. Can you please, you know, make sure you're going on, going out and onboarding um, signatures? Um, we actually have the single-use plastic bill in New York, which is going to be introduced on the 21st of November of this year. So that's something else that um, all my friends and community will be receiving an email, email about shortly.
0: <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's awesome. I think it's definitely hard to find that balance when you're really passionate about something and you want other people to care because it's something that affects them. Right. And so it, it's definitely like a learning curve to know how to introduce different things into your friends' lives and that kind of stuff. And, um, cause like you said, it's very easy to become preachy cause you just, you know, so much, you're so educated on these topics. It's hard not to just, you know, share that all the time.
1: Yeah, and I think it comes to a point too where you realize, you know, you can't change everyone's behaviors. You can introduce someone to something, and then it's really up to them, um, right. you know, how they're going to take that information. And you know, I, I kind of see my role in Oceanic's role as that introduction and kind of like empowering action. But the truth is, you know, if someone's not willing to go there, that's also okay, and they'll get there in their own time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's you know, sometimes knowing to kind of take a step back to
0: um, yeah, it's really strong. Yeah. I went to a talk once with Lauren Singer, who I, I think you know, um, the yeah. founder of Trousers for Tossers, and something that she said that really stuck with me was that her change happened when she realized she wasn't living her life in a way that aligned with her values. And that I really loved because it does challenge people to take a deeper look at what they value or what they saying what they're saying they value, and then actually looking how their actions align or don't align with that. And, um, you know, like people can say they care about the environment, but then if you actually look at their everyday behavior, they're obviously not living that. So, you know, actions speak louder than words. I think it's really, it's definitely true. Everyone has to get there in their own time, Um, but it's something important to think about, you know, how every day are you living in a way that aligns with your values? 100% and
1: I think the more people that live in cities also you know it's harder when you live in a city to be even aware of like what are all the touch points for you know your plastic toothpaste or toothbrush to get to you or the food that you eat Mm -hmm. until you get to your plate it's not the same thing as going to a farmer's market and being able to have those conversations um so it's becoming more and more complicated but I do think there's a shift taking place and I think you know the more we will start to speak about that um that's really when things will start
0: to change absolutely So before we get into our, uh, like last few questions that I ask every guest on the podcast, I wanted to just ask you about the future of our planet and how you have, like, how are your feelings towards the future? Are you inspired? Are you more worried? You know, what have you seen? What do you know that you want to share with people, um, to kind of get them thinking about five, 10, 20 years down the line?
1: Yeah, um. I think when you're talking about ocean conservation, and climate change, um, the science that's really depressing when you start to really, you know, dig into it, mm-hmm. that being said, people are really starting to wake up at all different levels. And that's amazing to see. Um, so, you know, one of the things that I really kind of merely like a mantra is, um, you know, every human problem has a human solution. I think that's what we need to remember when we're starting to tackle these types of issues mm-hmm. at scale. Mm -hmm. um and that gives me a lot of hope so you know when we're looking at what we're doing around the world around um like climate resiliency being a big one and just really looking at more kind of like tangible solutions um -hmm. and also how truthfully youth are standing up and holding different generations and businesses accountable has been amazing witness over the last two years um you know yeah so I think that so there's definitely, it, it gets
0: depressing at times um, but there's definitely a lot to be hopeful for good well that's nice to hear <laughs> and I kind of feel like I'm in the same camp like I am less aware of the actual realities and the numbers but I do see shifts like a shift happening and that is definitely inspiring and I'm not necessarily choosing to just focus on that I'm aware of how much like we're in this dire situation now where we really have to wake up and it's but it is true that I have like I think everyone is starting to notice more and more changes which is cool yeah and you know I
1: think humanity has this amazing quality of being able to act quickly once we really see the issue um Mm -hmm. I think people are finally waking up to wow we have a huge issue ahead of us um And we're seeing that by all different types of sectors around the world, looking at how to tackle climate change and, you know, just how blue economy from a financial perspective is something that people are looking at taking seriously now, too. Um, Yeah. So over the last five years, you know, the sustainability space has really uh, blown up. And I'm really excited to see where we'll be in another 10 years there.
0: Yeah. I even came across this um, other nonprofit the other day called Dope Bottle, and they're, I think, pretty young, but their initiative is to just, um, they pass out really high-quality reusable water bottles to lower-income areas to make sure that those people have equal access, because, like, swell bottles are so expensive, and, you know, sometimes these more sustainable options are just out of a um, the budget for people, and so I really loved what they were doing, but I just, I I did challenge the founder, because I was just, like, it is important, though, to have this educational component as to why they should be using these bottles, not just giving them out for free. It's like another thing they have in their house. It's actually why they should make sure they bring this with them to places and know where they can refill them. And and they, and they and he said that they're building up that part of the initiatives now. So it is cool to see that also it's touching people from all areas as well, which is really important.
1: Yeah, no. Um- that's just like one of many, many, you know, companies that are popping out now. And I think it's great to see also just make sure of companies that do have a strong, um, doing good angle to them and really kind of taking that seriously too.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for the last three questions, um, the first one is what mantra or words do you like to live by?
1: Um, so until around six months, I would have said probably just being present. Um, now for me it's being in my body so Mm -hmm. I realize I spend so much time in my mind um, Mm -hmm. and really trying to operate from a heart space um, and trying to find that balance between the mind and the heart when looking at just living my everyday life as well as you know the work that I'm doing is really really key to me.
0: Yeah I love that that's a great reminder because yeah being present Like, what does that really mean, right? Everyone will have a different Mm -hmm. definition, but being in your body, that just, that definitely also gives you a more grounding, I think, perspective as well. Yeah. Um, And then, we all know it takes a village to raise kids, you know, as the saying goes, and what do you most value in your community of friends and or family? Um, I mean, without
1: my community, I wouldn't be able to do it. Doing mm-hmm. um, you know, they've got me to where I'm at. Um, I think the love and support that you receive, but that you also give in a community, is really key to personal, but also to like holistic happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, it's, there's life is not easy, and there's many moments where you need a normal people around you uh, mm-hmm. to get through that, and you need to be that for other people. So, um,
0: yeah, yeah, I like that support. You know, your friends and they'll support you. <laughs> um, yeah, love and support definitely important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then what qualities do you most admire that you're hoping to instill in future generations through your work?
1: So I think courage and passion. Um, so, you know, I think we said it. you know the future generations, you know, they, we have a diet. Um, when it comes to climate change, it's extremely, extremely scary. Mm-hmm. Um And they're the ones, sadly, that are going to have to deal with a huge amount of the mess that, you know, my generation and the generations before us have created. Mm -hmm. Um, There are amazing examples out there, but it's going to take a huge amount of courage and passion to really uh, do that the right way.
0: Yeah, and we're seeing that through, I think a lot of young people today, with all of these climate strikes happening at schools, kids, kids at younger and younger ages are becoming engaged in these conversations, which is really great because it's becoming a part of their, of who they are, and I think that'll we'll see that as they grow into adults, um, what kind of career paths they choose and their passions, like where where do they spend their time, so. I think
1: it even goes beyond just their passions to um. You know what they see is like value, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I think um, you know what they're willing to, where they're willing to put their money in, the types of jobs that they're looking at pursuing. I think all of that is going to shift um, because they have a lot more at stake than we currently do.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Um, so thank you so much, Leah. I really appreciate this. And before we go, I just wanted you to share where people can find you
1: website is Um our Instagram is oceanic.global so definitely feel free to reach out and check out our work um, and we actually have an act page and it's uh, around 30 to 50 tips that you know anyone can do to live a more
0: sustainable lifestyle so you also you to go and check out that page yeah absolutely I'll include that in the notes as well so people can find that link easy easily um well thank you so much Leah. i really appreciate you taking the time today it's been so interesting to learn more about oceanic global and i can't wait to see everything you guys do in the future um and i'll definitely look into some la events as well so i can start getting engaged as well with you guys <laughs> thank you so much leah thank you
1: so much for having me Have yeah a
0: of life. course you too bye bye Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed it, please leave a review and share it with a friend. Check out the podcast notes for the links we mentioned in our conversation and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode. Thanks for listening.